game day, though, these guys are the ones who have to help the players get everything on and off. And now that I'm completely fitted and suited up to perfection with my old number on my chest, number 89, it's time for my NFL debut. Devon Dotson is fast, like cheetah fast. We're going to follow your Chiefs here on KCTV5 all week long. In Miami, I'm Danny Wolney at KCTV5 Sports. Hello, my name is Olivia Eisenhower, and you've joined me on Episode 9 of Season 1 of the Where We Belong podcast. And I am joining you from my home in Kansas City and very excited to be joined by one of my hometown favorites. So let's get right into it. I'm Danny Walniak. I'm the sports director for KCTV5 in Kansas City, which is the CBS affiliate. And um, right now, my schedule is pretty crazy. I'm supposed to work from 2 to 11 p.m. That never happens. It's more like all day long and 24-7. So um, I am constantly uh, trying to stay in the know uh, so that I can do my job pretty well. But um, I actually got my start in Dodge City, Kansas, middle of nowhere, CFE. Uh, but I joke with people and tell them that it was the biggest blessing in my life because I got my start and I met my husband out there. So um, it was an amazing experience getting a chance to cover high school sports. And then I got promoted into Wichita, KWCH, which was the main station. And um, got was there for about three years and then was blessed with the opportunity to come to Kansas City Long story short, I was out at a Chiefs football game and ran into uh, Nathan Vickers and Brad Fanning, who were working for KCTV5 at the time, and um, they suggested that I go after this job here in Kansas City, which was, at the time, it was a weekend sports anchor job, and um, ended up falling in love with the people up here and thought it was such a cool opportunity, and my husband and I thought we were going to be in Wichita forever, and... I came back from meeting everybody and told him that like, I loved everything about it. He loved his job at the time. So we prayed about it and he ended up waking up one night and said, look, I really feel moved. Like we need to go to Kansas City. I feel like God is calling us there. So five and a half ish years later, here we are. Um, and it has been a roller coaster and um, a beautiful ride all in the same, all in the same sense. So uh, I actually, I'll go even further back for you. The reason that I got into sports broadcasting was because I used to play women's professional football in Dallas and wanted to stay in the sports world. So I got my degree at the uh, at Oklahoma State University and um, majored in sports media. And um, then, yeah, got my, uh, got my job in Dodge City. And again, it's been history. So I wanted to ask kind of, how did that opportunity come about in terms of being able to play football? And I also wanted to touch on, we have a new coach in Kansas City for the Chiefs. Um, she's come over to the, I guess, good side of, <laughs> from the 49ers, but to the area of good football. But also I wanted your opinion on that. Have you gotten to meet her at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, how I got into football was I actually uh, was just a three sport athlete in high school. And in Texas, football is like a religion down there. So if you're a woman or a girl, you pretty much, the only opportunities for you to be involved with football are either as a cheerleader or as a kicker. We did have a kicker on our high school team and she was awesome. Um, but if you wanted to play anything else, that just kind of was taboo down there. So 
my senior year of high school, we had a powder puff game and they did it every year and it's just kind of something fun. Well, my friend's cousin who played receiver for the Dallas Diamonds at the time came out to this powder puff game and um, thought that I looked very athletic and that I could play women's pro football after I got out of high school, if that was the direction that I wanted to go. And so um, long story short, I ended up going out, fell in love with it, was told I could be a game changer and decided that I would go to a junior college in Texas for two years while I pursued this new dream of playing women's professional football. Turns out that it was one of the best decisions that I ever made because um, I got to stay home, got to stay close to my mom, who was very ecstatic about that. Um, I ended up with quite a few accolades, which I will boast just just here right now because I'm being asked about it. Please do, please do. <laughs> uh, I'm a three-time Pro Bowler. I was 2007 Rookie of the Year. Um, I was a part of the 2008 Super Bowl championship team, which I actually brought my Super Bowl ring for you. So I figured since we're doing, we're being visual, would oh show it off. God. So there are four, there are four diamonds in it for the four championships that the organization had won up to that point. So that's my, uh, my little, my pride and joy there. Um, but that was such a blessing. And then in 2010, I was blessed enough to be a part of the first ever women's national team who got to play over in Sweden and compete against other uh, teams from across the world. And we ended up beating Team Canada 67 to zero in the gold medal game. So also get to boast a gold medal uh, <laughs> as well. So pretty incredible how it all started and what it's becoming. Now the sport still has a long way to go, but we're trying, we're trying to make it better and bigger. And one of the most important things are a using this platform and being able to, you know, talk about it, but also all of the connections that we made in the process. And you brought up Katie Sowers. She is a very good friend of mine, as is Liz Sowers, her sister, their twin sisters. Um, we actually played together on Team USA and some of the all-star games, and then also played against each other when they were the Kansas City Pride. So I know how hard Katie hits, um, and I know how good both of them are as uh tight ends and linebackers and they kind of played all over the place liz is now playing quarterback so she is a amazing multifaceted athlete she actually is the head coach at ottawa university of the women's uh flag football team there and that's a whole brand new start to women's football in college athletics so the naia is at the forefront of giving scholarships to women to do this so you've got liz sowers who's over here being this amazing like flag football coach and changing the world you have Katie Sowers, who was the first ever female to coach in a Super Bowl for the 49ers, who now has the opportunity to coach here back home with the Kansas City Chiefs. And then you have a woman like Jen Welter, who was the first female coach in the NFL ever, and she played with me on the Dallas Diamonds. So now she's out being an inspirational speaker and trying to get women uh, into football more. And then there's even Sam Rappaport, who I played against. She played for Seattle. She now is the head of um, like it, it, it's kind of like a bigger picture in the NFL where she tries to get women into, into the NFL into different roles. So all of these women that I've played with or that I've been friends with or I've interacted with, um, are now going onto these different like forms of trying to get football and women into sports. And it's just this amazing, amazing platform. That's so cool. And I'm so blessed to just be a part of it. And then there's me 
he's just over here being in the broadcast world and, oh. and being in front of the, the, the camera. So uh, I'm sorry. it's wild. I think I but... down your your ring. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it's it's cool that Katie is getting a chance to come back here and come play or come coach at home. And I think it's just the team that she grew up watching and to be a part of that uh, Bill Walsh fellowship uh, scholarship, I think is really, really cool. I definitely at school, I have a lot of connections with in terms of football. Lynn Dawson's nephew was one of my professors this semester. Also Paula Bovin, she's a, oh my gosh, an amazing person. Cannot say enough about her. Similarly to you, but she's the only woman on the college football playoff committee and just she's always asked, do you want to shadow me for the committee? And I'm like, yes, please. That would be amazing. But like some of the names you mentioned, Sarah Fuller is also another name that mm -hmm. was a kicker for Vanderbilt, played women's soccer there. She's now, I think, pursuing her master's in sports management is what I thought I saw yep. at uh, North Texas. Do you hope that the female presence, not just – like NAIA level, which is amazing, but also D1 is growing. Do you think that's growing? And do you want your daughter to play? Someday I would definitely like her to play. I hope that we get to a point where it doesn't have to be that she has to make the decision to play with men. I hope that she can have the opportunity to go and play at the division one level and it be an all women's team. I think we're a long ways away from that, but I do think that it's a possibility when it comes to flag football because of the steps that the NFL and the NAIA are taking right now. And one of the things when I interviewed the president of the NAIA was that they approached division one with this. And it said, they said that it would take about four years for them to start getting this program going with flag women's flag football. The NAIA said they could do it in two years. So they're kind of the guinea pig in the forefront to figure out if this can work on the, at the division one level. And so I hope and pray that that ends up turning into something more and whatever I can do to help push it along, I'm going to, uh, but right now that's my hope with women like Sarah Fuller and women like Katie Sowers and Liz Sowers and Jen Welter and those who are breaking into the men's world, that's what gives it a platform. And that's what allows other people to see that we can do this too. So they're the ones that have to break the barriers. And they're the ones that I think it's so important that they are doing this because without their steps, the possibility of women having their own opportunity to play, you know, women's football doesn't exist and doesn't get to a point where you can earn scholarships or see a future in it, if that makes sense. If someone came to you and asked you to coach a team, what would you say? Well, it would depend because um, I, so right now I love my job. And uh, like I told you before, my hours are crazy and they're all over the place and I have a blast doing it. I love telling people stories and showing people the athletes behind uh, the helmet or behind uh, the jersey. You know, they're not just, Patrick Mahomes isn't just number 15 and amazing on the field. He's got all this that goes on behind the scenes. Right. So um, it would it would have to be a very convincing argument uh, to get me out of this, out of the broadcast world, but I would love to. I think that would be an absolute blast. So hopefully someday, maybe when I'm like, when I'm older and I want to like get out of broadcasting, maybe instead of retiring, I'll go be a women's professional football coach. How does that sound? I, I like the idea. I mean, 
I would sign up right away to play for you. So <laughs> you have <Yes>! someone. <laughs> Let's go. But I, I want to ask, because you're very good at what you do, is it something about Kansas City that makes you want to stay here? Or have you ever wanted to go bigger? I love Kansas City. And it's one of those cities that is, it's a hidden gem, honestly, because I grew up in Dallas. So I am the first to admit, I grew up loving the silver and blue, man. I am a Dallas Cowboys fan since I was yay high. So um, I love Dallas. I love the Rangers. I love stars. Everything about DFW area is like, my passion is there. But now that I have grown in my career through the Midwest. So I started out in Dodge City, Kansas, with a lot of Chiefs fans out there. Yeah. Uh, also a lot of Broncos fans, surprisingly, because they're so close to that Colorado border. Um, and then coming into Wichita, primarily Chiefs fans, few Cowboys fans, few Broncos fans. And then coming up to Kansas City, my ultimate dream and goal was to work in a city that had an NFL team. And so being able to really flourish here and it allows my background in football to kind of come to the front. And when I go into those locker rooms, getting an opportunity to talk to the guys at a different level um, really makes it so fulfilling. And so when I, when I first came up here to Kansas city, I was the weekend sports anchor. And then I also did radio sideline for the chiefs radio network. And between those two things, it just like fulfilled this, amazing passion and I knew that it was exactly what God had planned for my life and it just I felt like I was using my platform for him and also just blessed um and now that I've taken over the sports director role there's a lot more responsibilities that are required but it's also so fulfilling in such a different way and um getting an opportunity to be a leader and really uh, impact the people that I work with and impact the people around me and especially going through this crazy COVID year and like learning how to interact with humans in a whole different way has really, really opened my eyes to just the importance of you know, stuff like this and having the conversations with people or um, getting to know others and also being close to your family and how important that is and having, having a new daughter in the, in the picture <laughs> um makes me realize that much more and that more thankful for the fact that my husband's family is only five hours away my family is only five hours away so that is a huge huge plus right now and a huge blessing and so i would not change kansas city for the world and i think people are gonna people are gonna have to have to enjoy me for a while because i definitely we definitely have made kansas I definitely can agree with you on the whole Kansas City part. People, like, I mean, I go to school out of state. People kind of look at you. I say I'm from Kansas City because otherwise they make some joke about Toto or where are your overalls or something like that. And they just kind of are like, oh, that, that stinks. And I People think have no like, clue. People who don't live oh. in the Midwest or live here have no idea. And you're like, you are missing out and that's fine. I don't want, I don't want more people to come up here. That's why it's beautiful. Stay away, go, go where you want to live, go to the coast, that's cool. It's something about the hospitality and just everyone to an extent knows everyone. I mean, Arizona State or Arizona State baseball team just hired Willie Bloomquist as their head coach. 
And I yeah. was like, wait a minute, I know that name. <laughs> like, I know him. Well, I know of. him. I kind of know him. <laughs> but like my best memories, I would say, is right in Arrowhead. Like there is nothing, there's a shirt from the Chiefs that says Bar bury me a Chief or bury me a Arrowhead or something like that. And I was like, you know, joking, but kind of not. Please, <laughs> like that place. I went to the, the AFC Championship game with my dad, and no doubt in my mind, that's the reason I'm going into sports. But I have never cried in a happier way than when that game winded down, and I was just, oh, you can't describe that feeling. It's just incredible. No, and especially like yourself having grown up here and like understanding the ebbs and flows of the teams here is so there's no other fan base like it i don't think because you have suffered through <laughs> the worst of the worst you know both teams have really had very very difficult stretches and been sucky teams and yet y'all still have that hope from you know the early on super bowl and the early uh world series and then you go through this lull where you're like well you know there was we were good at one point and so it's going to come back around and sure enough that loyalty paid off because you have the world series runs of 2014 and 2015 and you have the back-to-back -back super bowls of 2019 and 2020 and so it's like it's like almost like an abusive beautiful relationship in the same sense I, it sounds horrible but it's like you you knew that they were going to come back around and they did and so it's like this whole new reinvigorated love and it's so it's so great it's so cool to see kansas city fans are just so loyal if anything like in everyone comes together like there's some odd people in the Midwest. I'm, I'm going to be really honest, <laughs> but <laughs> it just comes with like, I think it's kind of the small town mixed with the kind of big city. I don't know, but <laughs> there are some loyal fans. And I heard someone say this, I forgot who it was, but it describes Kansas City, at least Chiefs fans perfectly. No matter what the salary is of a Chiefs fan that comes in every year, any of them would donate that salary to be able to be in the worst of the worst seat at any game. And I was like, you know, that's, <laughs> that's pretty spot on. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I, I just know that it's, it's very awesome because I see a lot of times where like, you know, fans are interesting and so like they'll go out of their way like if they're really upset like right now with the offensive line and you'll see Chiefs fans just be like man come on like we gotta like why didn't we get this guy or why didn't we get this guy and like how can this person say no to the Chiefs but the minute somebody else starts dogging on the Chiefs or say you know what they should have gotten this guy or they should have done this the Chiefs fans are the first ones to say how dare you we trust come on so it's it's great. It's like you can, hey, we can talk about our dad all we want, but the minute that you start talking about my dad, it's not okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. So I know your forte is NFL, but my question with them, t I think it's official as of like this morning with the 12-team playoffs for the college football. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I love it. I know a lot of people are probably going to disagree with me because – 
you're adding more games to a slate already. So you're making these college kids put their bodies on the line and endure a lot more, um, you know, bumps and bruises than they would during a normal college season. And I know that's kind of the big discussion right now. Um, but I personally, from a competitor's perspective, love the opportunity for these smaller teams to have a chance to really make a run. And it also, I think in the, in the big picture, will create more parity in college football. Because if you look at the NCAA tournament for basketball, you saw just recently in 2020, all of these Cinderella teams making a push against the Blue Bloods. A lot of the Blue Bloods didn't even make it in the tournament. And so um, the reasoning for that is because they know wherever you go in college basketball, you know you have a shot at winning a national championship. So with football, that's not the case. If you don't go to Alabama or you don't go to Clemson or you don't go to Oklahoma, there's a very, very, very slim chance that you will even have an opportunity to earn a ring at the end of the season. So I think by expanding the college football playoffs, it will create more opportunities for athletes to go, maybe stay closer to home, maybe go to the, the, the college that they've always dreamed of. Maybe it'll give these smaller schools an opportunity to upset the big schools and make college football even more fun to watch during the postseason. So I'm a huge fan of it. I ha I've never been a big fan of the four-game playoff because it's the four, four teams every year. So it's kind of the same thing as the, you know, the BCS system. The same teams, it feels like, every year. So I really like it. I'm a fan of it. And then one other question. If you had to choose, and I get it, if you don't want me to quote you on this, but if you had to choose for the NFL a sleeper team, an overrated team, and who has the ring at the end of the season, who do you choose? Um, okay, so people are, I'm going to be judged for this, and it's fine. Um, okay, so sleeper team for me is the Dallas Cowboys. Because, hang on, hear me out, lots of people say, how can they be a sleeper? That's ridiculous, because everybody thinks they're going to win the Super Bowl every single year, right? No, nobody thinks they're going to win the Super Bowl. That's just the perception that everybody else around the NFL has. So with Dak Prescott back in the fold and the NFC East being so terrible last year, I think that they're the sleeper team for sure. Um, the team that ends up with the ring at the end of the season, I'm going to go with the Chiefs because it's incredibly difficult to get to back-to-back -back Super Bowls, even more so incredibly difficult to get to three straight Super Bowls. But the Chiefs do something that not a lot of other teams do. And between Andy Reid and Brett Beach, they are not afraid to go in and wipe out something that's not working and completely replace all of it. You saw that two years ago with the defense. Wiped out the whole defense pretty much. Wiped out their coordinator, brought in Steve Spagnola. They go on, they win the Super Bowl. This year, it's the offensive line. They couldn't get it done with the offensive line. They wiped out the whole offensive line. They said, nope, we're starting from scratch. Here we go, let's do this. Let's protect our multi million dollar man or a billion dollar man <laughs> so um i just think that he is evolving into a different leader every single year and this year is the first year that he's actually having to step into a role where he's helping the offensive line along and he's kind of telling them how he wants protections called and how he wants the offense ran so i think you're going to see a different looking offense and so i think it's going to be that much more difficult for teams to contend with them is it a longer season yeah is it a war of attrition? Absolutely. But I'm not going to count the Chiefs out after what I've seen over the past two years 
at all. So uh, those are those are the two. What was the third one? Um, an overrated team. Overrated team. Ooh. Um, I'm because I'm in Kansas City. I'm probably gonna go with. It's okay. Um, Sorry, that's a tough one. <laughs> yes and no. I, I think I'm going to go with the Broncos because lots of people really like the Broncos and a lot of people really hate the Broncos. But everyone's talking about how, oh, if you if you replace Drew Locke with Aaron Rodgers and he wants to come to Denver, it's gonna, they're going to the Super Bowl. They're going to win it all. All it's going to take is that quarterback. I'm not sure I completely wholeheartedly agree with that because there's a lot of other things the Broncos need to fix, but also you're asking this guy to come into the AFC West and compete with Patrick Mahomes twice a year, every single year. So uh, I'm not so sure I'm bought into that. So I think that the Denver Broncos are probably the overrated team right now. Okay. Okay. Is that acceptable? Yeah, I can't disagree with you there <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> I think how you said, talked about the Chiefs, it, I almost got goosebumps sitting here. I got all giddy, and Orlando Brown tweeted or said in a press conference something about that this is the, like, dirtiest team that he – or offensive line he had played on, and I was like, oh, boy, this is going to be something Ooh, for him. <laughs> I hear 20 and 0 coming. I hear 20 and 0. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of confidence. And you know what? That's the thing, too, is that these guys have a tendency to speak these things into existence. They're not going to say anything without being able to back it up. And so um, that's at least that's what I've experienced is that they're very careful with what they say. And when they do say something that makes headlines, rest of the NFL better watch out because that's going to be their own bulletin board material. Right. Well, thank you so much for joining my podcast and taking time out of your evening. Hey, anytime. This has been a blast and a blessing. Thank you so much, Olivia. And thank you, my lovely listener, for joining me on this week of the Where We Belong podcast. I hope you join me next week for the season one finale and episode number 10. Have a great rest of your week.